Hello, this is Ken and welcome to Kingdom Reflections. Today we'll be talking about the subject entitled Engineered Appointments. Engineered Appointments. The life of Elijah is what will be studied today. And we see that the life of Elijah, the Old Testament prophet, is in many ways a life of incredible victories. He was incredibly used by God to do so many things, bring about so many miracles, and bring about so many victories in the land of Israel. However, the scriptures also reveal to us that this Old Testament icon also had some kind of fear in him and that is what we are about to study and to know how best we can make use of our fears this old testament icon can be likened to a graph of very high peaks but then at certain moments also very low points demonstrating one of the most remarkable underlying miracles in, uh, in the land of Israel where he commanded a literal fire from heaven to consume a sacrifice and then also killing 400 Baal worshippers and then making the statement that the God of Israel the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob is the only God that should be saved find him on the next minute running for his life because of the threats of Jezebel. Elijah runs to Bathsheba in a wilderness area and finds himself shelter under a juniper tree only to express to God his unwillingness to live any longer because he is tired of life he is worried about life. He can't do it anymore. And the interesting question is, how possible? How can such uh, an over-the-top miracle happen? And just receiving a threat from a woman, you forget about all the miracles. You forget about the, the spectacularity of God's intervention in your life not only in your privacy, but also in public spheres. Elijah literally throws in the tower, saying that he can't anymore. He is tired. He is wearied of life. He is alarmed. His life is in danger because Jezebel has threatened to take away his life, just as he also took away the 400 bow worshippers or the bow prophets. However, he coming to, to that particular place is where God literally prepares his appointments, where God literally engineers his appointments. And so after expressing to God his unwillingness to live any longer, God engineers his coming and then he tells Elijah his next mission. It is quite interesting how God sometimes work in our lives because at many moments at many times people usually say that they are U-turns, U-turns and U-turns with God but in, 
scripture carefully, you find yourself that there is actually no U-turn with the divine creator because at any moment of life, he still knows what is ahead. He doesn't need to take a U-turn to reposition your life. That very moment you are, he wouldn't take a U-turn. He would take you ahead because he knows you're coming there to that particular moment in life. Is or probably was his permissible divine appointment. Now, after Elijah does this, God tells him, you have the next mission of your ministry. And then your next mission is to arrive at Mount Horeb. Mount Horeb has always been in, um, in scriptural definitions to be the mount of God, the place of light, or the place of encounters. When you go to the book of Exodus, God tells Moses, Moses, come to Horeb, the mount of God. And so Mount Horeb has always been that. It is a place where one encounters God. It is a place where the, the carnal encounters the divine. It is a place of divine encounters. It is a place of supernatural revelations. It is a place of supernatural empowerment. It is a place where the, the defeat meets total victory. It is a place where surrender would only meet victorious applause. The place of encounter, the place of light, Mount Horeb. It is quite interesting that after the miraculous display of Elijah, he runs to the juniper, he runs and hides under, under a juniper tree, and then God tells him again, you are going up the mount of God. You are going up the mount of God or the mount of encounter. Many a time when we seem to fall back, when we seem to take um, certain roads in our lives, it becomes quite difficult when we reminisce everything in our mind, when we analyze everything, and then we'll be saying, how possible can God take me back to the place I was before? How possible can God re-dimensionalize my life? How possible can God reiterate things? How possible can God um, reshape me into what I used to be before? And all those statements seem to say that I have fallen so low, I have come so far, I am lost that well that I can't get back to the place of light, I can't get back to the road, I am so lost in the forest, I don't know where the road leads anymore. But then with God, um, the impossible is only another way of saying possible. So God finds us in those places, in our downward moments, in our wayward paths, and then he tells us, your next appointment actually is the biggest one. Going to the Mount of God, coming to encounter more than you have ever encountered in your life. He literally blows our minds. And that was what was happening to Prophet Elijah. He's a prophet actually, a major prophet for that matter. A major prophet. Here it says something to us. A major prophet. He's not just 
a minor prophet with all due respect to minor prophets but then he's a major prophet here and then we see that even the major prophet wants to hide we find even the major prophet is is, is so tired about life he wants to just check it out just go out just go away die and just leave I think a great uh, a good leader one one person said a good leader is someone that has finished his course and then he comes back to teach his followers but then a great leader is somebody that whilst going through the trials and turbulences of life he still teaches his followers to come along it makes you know that the leader you are following is not somebody who is divine he has scars upon him and then as one person said also our stars are revealing factors that we have had scars in the past. And so this is also um, some kind of an advice to us that no matter how big we become, no matter how strong we become, no matter how elevated God takes us, there will always be human moments. There will always be moments where we wish that particular thing God gave us would have been over. Would have He wouldn't even have gifted us with that that particular platform God gave us, that particular anointing God blessed us with, that particular husband or wife we've had, and people seem to be very, very envious. We wish everything wasn't as it were. But then we should know that even the major prophet went through that. Life is full of such. Life is both human and then it is also both spiritual. And so going forward, what is interesting to note is that God asks Elijah a question on his way to Mount Horeb. This is what happens on his way to Mount Horeb. And before Elijah goes to Mount Horeb, God gives him food to eat and water to drink. And then he tells um, Elijah on two occasions that eat for the journey is great. Eat for the journey is great. The journey being great is that you wouldn't only, you can't take physical strength to complete this journey. If the journey were to be hard, then you know that it is hard. You would need more strength and more resilience. The statement, the journey is great, means that it is greater than human strength. And so you need something more overcoming to be able to arrive at the presence of God or the place of enlightenment, the place of encounters. And so he gives him food to eat and he gives him water to drink. However, on his way going to Mount Horeb, Elijah makes a short stop in a cave. We shouldn't forget that his destination is Mount Horeb. And probably after going kilometers and kilometers and kilometers into this journey, Elijah gets a short stop and then he goes into a cave and then he seems to stay there because the cave probably is comfortable. And then God tells him something. God comes to him and then he says, Elijah, what are you doing here? Elijah, what are you doing here? The journey was to arrive at Mount Horeb because I'm waiting for you there. But Elijah, what are you doing in this cave? There are a cave and a mount are two different things. They operate under different paradigms. You won't obtain 
what you see on the mountain, what you would find in a cave and vice versa. A cave, literally as the word goes, caves, it caves you, it keeps you under. It keeps you under something. Your vision is restricted. Your vision is, is, your, your vision is literally covered with rocks and stuff. And on a mountain top, you see the whole territory, literally. And so there are two different things. You are to arrive on the Mount of God. You are to arrive at the place of encounter. Why have you stopped in a cave? Why have you stopped in a cave? It could literally mean that you have been given greatness. You have been born to do something great. You have been given an unabatable goal in your life. You have been given this kind of over-the-top experience. You have been given this opportunity and why are you stopping just at the middle of it? You need to arrive at the mountaintop. Elijah, what are you doing here in this cave? This question was asked when at a point during Elijah's journey, he finds it overwhelmingly tiring. He probably doesn't believe he could arrive at Mount Horeb. And so he accommodates himself and then he satisfies himself with the cave. And that is probably one of the things that many people, many children of God, we are fond of doing. God might literally be calling us to something far greater and it is universal in perspective. But then we are so much satisfied with the, with the little accolades we had along the ways and so we remain local champions. But then it is also very interesting the kind of question God asks Elijah. He says, Elijah, what are you doing here? Elijah, what are you doing here? Now, for God to tell Elijah or to ask Elijah, what are you doing here? Also reveals something very, very important and that is that God is also there. And that is one thing that is literally very, very, very interesting about this God we serve. For him to say, Elijah, what are you doing here? It's like somebody going and finding something. What are you doing? For somebody to ask you, what are you doing here? means that that person is also there. And so this gives us that um, chilling hope that wherever it is that we have come to, that it might not, it might not necessarily be what God translated to us at the start of the journey. He's even there with us. And for God to ask you, what are you doing here? means that his willingness to still take you to Mount Horeb is still standing. He's only asking you, why have you stopped here? What are you doing here? And so for God to say, what are you doing here? means that God is also there with you. And then God pushes him. God takes him there. God forces him to go. And that was where, not literally forced, but God nurtures him. God woos him. And then Elijah reaches the Mount of God. And so today, what God is really telling us is, what are we doing here? But then before he asks us, what are we doing here? 
no matter how far we have arrived, he tells us, your next appointment is ahead of you, not behind you. Your greatness is ahead of you, not behind you. The best is yet to come. You haven't exhausted the best. The best is yet to come. The place of Mount Horeb awaits us. The place of encounters awaits us. The place of light and enlightenment awaits us. And God leads us along the way, along the path. And should in case we find it very satisfying to, to take a short stop in a cave, God tells you, that isn't what I told you. What are you doing here? If you can only trust me, if you can only follow me as I lead you, you will surely arrive at Mount Horeb. This morning, may God give us all the needed strength as he has always done. And may God reveal to us our mounts that we should arrive at. And it, no matter how many the mounts are, it will surely arrive at one. It is a place of an encounter with himself alone. Thank you so much and have a wonderful day.